We've got a little shakeup in the video streaming wars. Motley Fool Money starts now. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me today, Motley Fool Senior Analyst Jason Moser. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, indeed. Executives at Warner Brothers Discovery are planning to merge their Discovery Plus streaming service with HBO Max. They are reportedly close to a new name for this combined service, and the name that is being reported is simply Max, which is, I guess, better than just Plus. Uh, The (laughs) interface is reportedly going to have individual tiles for HBO, Discovery, Warner Brothers content, and DC Comics all there in the main hub for the service. And this story, Jason, reminds me that I think... I think we all underestimate slightly, or at least don't pay as much attention as maybe we should to Warner Brothers Discovery when we're talking about the streaming services. Oh, I, I think that's a good point, and I, I think that um, I, I think number one, I, I really do appreciate the fact that they're they're not tilting towards something like a plus. Uh, it feels like that 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 has just been um, used to death, and so something like a max. I think it makes a lot of sense. It takes it takes the focus away from HBO, um, which is its own property, right? It's 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 its own brand, and, and it, it's a it's a pretty impressive landscape. When you look at today's HBO Max app, like if I open that app on my phone and I'm looking at all of these properties here, they have HBO, DC, Max Originals, TCM, Adult Swim, Studio Ghibli, Cartoon Network or CN, Sesame Workshop, Looney Tunes, Cart. Cartoonito. <laughs> I mean, they've got a lot of stuff here, right? And, and, and so now we're going to see them bringing uh, the Discovery properties in there as well. And, and it all goes to, I think, it, it speaks to what I, this is just a very valuable property, right? And, and it's, it's obviously it's not worked out as an investment on its own so far. Um, I think that partly has to do with the state of the business very much in transition and sort of reestablishing itself and, and coming up with a new direction. Also, it just it, it's a very competitive space in streaming, right? We've given streaming streaming is getting so much attention in the, in the financial media these days because of Netflix, because of Disney and Disney Plus. Um, and and it, it, it's not like it's you know it's it's not the most profit it's not the most profitable market opportunity out there right now right it's still a market opportunity that's kind of kind of finding its way and evolving um, but but I like the way that uh, CEO David Zasloff is is looking at this business I mean it's just a tremendous amount of intellectual property that is that is within that one. Company and you know you have so many different properties, so many different brands underneath that umbrella. I think this has a chance in in a space where I think we're going to see we're going to continue to see more and more consolidation. I think this is going to be one of the consolidators, right? This is going to be one where probably a few more um, a few more brands end up residing under that umbrella as time goes on, and and ultimately I I feel like it'll work out well for them. But they've got their work cut out for them as well. I mean, it it is a business like I said, still trying to find its way. Ultimately, focusing less on just growing that subscriber base and more on actual profitability, right? I mean, that is really the North Star for this business going forward. It's not just about subscribers at any cost. And I think we're seeing that, I think we're seeing that mindset play out beyond just 
Warner Brothers, right? I think you're seeing that same sort of language at Disney and Netflix now as they, they try to capitalize on these new opportunities. But isn't their total subscriber base somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 million? It is. It's getting up there. I mean, they they just recently announced uh, their most recent quarterly call towards I think in the beginning of November. Uh, they had added three million direct to consumer subscribers. That is somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 million when you when you put all of the properties together, and that is a big subscriber base. I mean, when you think about something like your Netflixes and Disney's that are 225, 235 million. I mean, that's one thing, right? But then you've got sort of this next level where you you see the HBO Max brand come into play here because you compare that to something like a Peacock, right? NBC's Peacock. At the end of their most recent quarter, they had 15 million paying subscribers along with another 14 million bundled and free users. And so, I mean, that's what, okay, let's just call it 30 million subscribers there for, I think, what is a pretty uh, well-established brand in in that Peacock brand and the NBC content. I mean, to see HBO Max with that size subscriber base, I mean, that's what you want. You want the subscribers, and then ultimately, what you got to do is you got to figure out how to keep them. And and so we're seeing, obviously, companies like Netflix introducing the ad subscribe ad the uh, ad supported tier. Uh, we're going to see here in the very near future. Also, uh, Warner Brothers will be uh, introducing their own fast offering or free ad supported TV. You could compare that to something like a freebie on Amazon or Tubi or whatever. Um, but but all 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 together, yeah, I mean the subscriber the subscriber base is what you ultimately need to get to that profitability um, and then just take advantage of your scale. And, and I think those those are those are two big advantages that, that Warner Brothers has in this case is they've got they've got the subscriber base, right? And they've got the properties and the content, so they really should be able to take advantage of the, of this. It'll just take some time and I think really ultimately getting everybody on the same page in, in, in something that they mentioned in in the most recent call to beyond just the the strategic priorities of content and maximizing the monetization of that content. It's ultimately they want to make their company uh, they're they're ultimately trying to operate as one company, right? I think right now what they're witnessing is a very siloed situation with all of these different brands. This business has kind of uh, come together here over the past several several years, and, and, and so you know that siloing is very inefficient. And so I think what they're trying to really do is is eliminate a lot of the redundancies, uh, trying to right size the business, um, and ultimately operate as they say as one company that I, I think will help them in, in in getting to that to that profitability goal sooner rather than later. Zaslav certainly is not letting any moss grow under his feet. I mean, you you think about he <laughs> he comes onto the job, he very quickly kills the CNN Plus app. And says we're not gonna. We're not, I didn't. That that thing didn't start under me. I'm not gonna spend that money. Um, to your point about profitability, I am reminded of the lead up to the launch of Disney Plus, which launched in late 2019. A good, I think, three years after the original target date. I think the original target date was 2016. Maybe it was 2017, but it got delayed a couple of times. And we said leading up to that, boy, they better get this right. They really better nail this interface, because they've been delaying this over and over again. And I think, um, not that Warner Brothers Discovery has uh, had the same number of delays, but I think, as you said, they got their work cut off for them. It's a real great opportunity, because if they nail the interface right out of the gate, 
if they can really delight the existing subscribers they have with a new interface of a new merge combined service, then I think it makes it a lot easier for them to go out and find new subscribers, hopefully in a, in a cost-conscious way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree. I mean, I think that what they have today, the interface is fairly intuitive, easy to use. You know, you can get to where you want to go, I think, pretty quickly. I, I, I Again, I like the idea that they're steering the branding away from involving HBO, because I think in, in one thing that they've noticed, you know, HBO for so long has just been that that has sort of been the pinnacle, right, of, of original content. They just really have knocked it out of the park for for decades. Um, in in when when you have this HBO Max property that then has all of this content underneath it that, that seemingly isn't related to HBO whatsoever, it becomes very it becomes very confusing, right? You start to wonder. You know, is this really what I'm looking for? And so I think being able to give it its its own identity and then touting, you know, the the originality of each brand underneath that umbrella makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, Zaslav said on a call here recently too, um, in regard to subscribers, right? He said that he called it this grand experiment in in chasing subscribers at any cost. And he's essentially referring to, we're not going to worry about profitability. We're just going to do whatever we can to get subscribers. And typically, you know, the first thing you do is you just produce mountains and mountains of content and you pay just exorbitant sums of money for that content. I mean, we've seen obviously uh, companies like Netflix and, and Disney that are Throwing tens of billions of dollars every year at, at this content, and that doesn't look like it's going to abate anytime soon. And, and and he he feels like, listen, that was the grand experiment, but but that's not the way this needs to be done. This is over. It's 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 more about deliberate content, identifying with your brands, the audience, uh, the audience's desire for whatever those brands may be. Um, in 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 focusing on that profitability, right? Uh, not not just chasing subscribers at any cost. So I, you know, we're seeing with Disney and Netflix. I think they they sort of recognize that. I mean, that's why they're going to those ad supported models because they recognize there's this big opportunity out there to capture more viewers and and actually do it in a in a profitable fashion. Um, so so yeah, I I do think that that ultimately. It, it, it's going to take some time, but but I do think that Zaslov has he has his mind in the right place regarding this. It's going to be interesting to see, I think, how this fast offering that's supposed to launch here by next year, right? That free ad supported TV, um, I think that could be another meaningful driver because as we've seen over the past several uh, quarters with companies like the Trade Desk, I mean, they talk about that connected TV and that ad supported uh, streaming market it is really really taking hold, gaining a lot of traction. Action. You know, the advantage, one of the advantages with, with the companies like Warner Brothers Discovery is they have a ton, a ton of IP and they can really exploit that. And a lot of that IP is kind of timeless, right? I mean, you look at things like HGTV and Food Network, for example. I mean, you you produce a season of those shows, and they're good ten years later. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, something very similar to what Disney benefits from, and I think Netflix to an extent as well. In uh, in in certainly HBO has has benefited from that through the years uh, also. So, I like the idea of of really focusing down on profitability. Understand if you if you if you 
you have the right content, the viewers will come. And and you use the word delighting. If you can keep on bringing good good content, uh, then they're probably going to want to stay. It's going to give you a little pricing power. Um, and, and then the other point they made too is that they they haven't raised prices over the course of the last three years. I think he said. And so as they add more to this offering, it's going to give them a little wiggle room to raise those prices incrementally over time, which I think will make a big difference. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. Despite all the rolling lockdowns in China, travel is bouncing back in the region. Motley Fool Chief Investment Officer Andy Cross caught up with Airbnb co-founder Nate Blacharzik to talk about the latest improvements for the home sharing platform and how Airbnb's growth story can continue. Nate, you're actually a host yourself on Airbnb. I think I have that right. You host yourself on Airbnb. Yes. Talk, talk a little bit about what was the, um, how, how do you all decide to to think about your feature set? Like, why did you, was it was it? Did you do a lot of customer research? Are you out there talking to hosts? Are you using internal internal uh, Airbnb employees like yourself to guide you on what features to add or not add to the site? Um, any insights on on how the winter release kind of came about and why you focus so much on 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 things for like the hosts? Yeah, well, really all of the above. I mean, specifically the winter release, you know, it started with, you know, what are the macro trends that are happening? And if you look back at all our releases over the last two years, we do one every six months. Um, it very much starts with, you know, what, what are the trends that are happening out there right now? Um, that's because we've kind of gone through a very, um, tumultuous period where a lot of things were changing very quickly. And so as a company, we wanted to make sure we were really responsive mm -hmm. to what people needed in the moment. You know, what people are going to need two years from now, very different from maybe what they needed during the yeah. pandemic. Um, and so I think our development process has been very attuned to what are the trends. So the trend right now is there's, um, you know, a lot of economic uncertainty, there's inflation, people are going to value extra income. So that's the trend. Um, so we think hosting is the answer uh, to that. Uh, now we want to answer the question, how do we get all those people who have been sitting on the sidelines, right? They're not yet hosts, they're not yet maybe guests, but in this case hosts. And we went out and we did a lot of uh, consumer research um, to study, you know, what, what are the concerns that people have, right? Mm -hmm. They're worried about, you know, is my place good enough? They're worried about, uh, am I going to, um, um, What's my first guest going to be like? Yeah. Um, what protections are in place? So that then informed our, our, our feature set. Um, as for my own personal hosting, uh, I've been hosting for a long time now. So, you know, I'm no longer the prospective host, right? I, I'm, I'm the super host. Uh, but that's, that's super valuable as we think about yeah. you know, making the product better for our more experienced hosts. Um, you know, I use the product every day. Yeah. And I notice a lot of little things um, that help me create accountability uh, with the team. Um, you know, especially again, going back to the fact that, you know, I'm probably Joe Bryan and I, you know, we're, we've been the only ones who've been here for, you know, 14 plus years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so this consistency of thought that we bring in this, this, um, kind of obsession with the product and familiarity with the frontline product, uh, is, is very important, um, uh, for, for, you know, being a leader at the company. Uh, I know one of your um, experiences also is globally, and I think you ran the China business for a little bit. Maybe you maybe you are still tied to it. Talk a little bit about globally. Are you seeing that 
things like the winter release or customer dynamics, hosting dynamics? Um, what are some of the challenges that uh, you might be seeing um, outside of the United States that might be helped with something like the winter release? Are they different dynamics or is it is it the hosting concerns are pretty universal across the world? Yeah, well, you mentioned China. China is, you know, in a pretty unique place um, with their COVID strategy. Um, and our focus in China these days is really just on outbound travel. Yeah. Um, we no longer are doing hosting inside of China. Um, so China's probably an outlier uh, in terms of like uh, where they are travel-wise. Um, but the rest of the world, uh, I think, is increasingly kind of in the same place. I think, you know, different countries were at different points in their COVID cycle. Um, you know, all countries aside probably from China uh, have at this point relaxed restrictions, you know, Asia mm -hmm. being the most recent kind of region to really open up um, yeah. over the last several months. Um, and, you know, with that came a rebound in travel. So travel, I think, has been very strong once economies have opened up. There's a lot of pent up demand. There's also this remote work trend um, that is very much present um, all around the world, um, which effectively allows people to travel longer and more often. Um, and now there's inflation and there's economic uncertainty. So I think, you know, this is, these trends are really global ones at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, we've seen our business thriving as a result um, all around the world. Um, look, looking beyond the winter release, uh, what do you see as just the biggest opportunities, the, the, the really untapped opportunities for, for Airbnb that excites you? Yeah, well, I think there's still so much opportunity just within our core business. Again, the number that like keeps me super, super excited is like uh, th this whole business has been basically built, um, with just 4 million hosts yeah. on the platform, right? That's a, that's a small number in the scheme of the global population. Yeah. Uh, and to think that 60 million visitors have come to that hosting page, at least considering hosting. So I think there's a future where there's, you know, millions and millions, um, multiples more, uh, hosts. Uh, and I think that's, um, that's a huge opportunity because that's just our core business. Um, and is that, is that mostly an accommodation do you think Nate, or does it start to expand into other areas? I know you've talked yeah, well, a little I, bit I, about I experiences you know, and things. Yeah. yeah. Accommodations is the majority of our revenue by far, uh, currently. So I think that alone is, is exciting. Um, that being said, when I think about hosting and the potential for our hosts, it goes beyond, uh, just providing accommodation. Uh, we've obviously experienced, uh, experimented a little bit with this with experiences, right. right? It's a new way in which people can offer um, their time and expertise um, as effectively a small business. Uh, our, um, with our winter release, the fact that we're pairing you with what we call an ambassador, but it's effectively a super host. Hmm. Well, those ambassadors are being compensated uh, for, for their time uh, when, when a new prospective host becomes successful, gets their first booking, that ambassador is actually making income from Airbnb. So right. yet another way in which a host can, in this case, share their expertise and their perspective uh, and monetize it. And I think there's so many other ways uh, in the context of the travel uh, that our hosts can offer their hospitality, uh, their expertise uh, and, and monetize it. Um, so I'm, I'm personally pretty excited to explore those other possibilities. I mean, those possibilities are very nascent at this point. They're not going to drive meaningful revenue in the short term. But when you think about, you know, the next 10 years uh, and where this goes, uh, I think it's hugely, hugely exciting. Uh, I'm also just very excited about, uh, you know, living, 
working and, and traveling all kind of converging, right? The fact that people do have this new mobility uh, and are untethered. Um, you know, I think Airbnb uh, is experiencing this trend currently through the trend of long-term stays, stays of 28 days or longer being booked on Airbnb. It's 20% of our nights booked are, are 28 days or longer. Um, but I think it really starts to open up the possibility of, you know, what if Airbnb is a site you go to, not just for traveling, but for living your life? Um, you know, whether it's your accommodation for months at a time or longer, um, or just new ways of experiencing your hometown, connecting with other people in your town. You know, we see this with experiences in some cities, the majority of the people booking the experiences are locals, mm -hmm. just interested in, in meeting other locals. So I, I think the potential for Airbnb does expand uh, beyond travel um, into some of these other um, big spaces like you know, real estate and such. Grab some holly and mistletoe, cause we're gonna go out tonight. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. In my direction. Sometimes I feel like a big snowman that's falling under a plow. is starting now oh yeah Christmas is starting now that's right Christmas is starting now oh yeah you better hang those stockings on the wall this is no time for procrastination we gotta trim that tree and deck the hall that's gonna be a celebration